Six months later, we bought second property or a third property together. And so that's really the start. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey, welcome back to another episode. On today's show, we have Susan White Livermore, who you may know as Millionaire Mom. And she has acquired a great portfolio, both in Alberta, in Ontario as well, resides currently in Ontario. And she is continuing to steadily build her portfolio. And originally, when she first got started in real estate investing in just about a 12-month time frame, had acquired 13 properties. And she's earned some awards for that, which is really cool. And, uh, and she's super insightful, super helpful, and very, very relatable. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Susan. And, uh, and check her out on Instagram or Facebook. Her Instagram is millionaire.mom.enterprises, and she's got lots of great insights, uh, and I do follow her as well. She's great. So I hope you guys enjoy this, uh, this episode, and also don't forget the Burr Freedom community. If you are interested in joining, join at sarahlarby.com and, uh, and click on the Burr Freedom community. There is going to be so much information, my processes, my procedures, my everything, my team, everything that you need to know about the Burr strategy. So it's essentially, you're going to need to be an expert in flipping and an expert in landlording and buy and hold. And it's essentially that combination of those two things that make the Burr strategy, uh, in my opinion, the best of both worlds. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And if you are in the Burr Freedom community, uh, again, you will have access every single month. We have a different topic. And uh, by the end of the year, because it's a 12-month thing, and I, I do believe in long coaching over a certain amount of time because then that way it's it's ingrained and, and continuous and you keep it you know top of mind but by the end of the 12 months you started in uh, in january or early february you will have essentially the knowledge that i do for the burr freedom community the access to the teams the access to the documents and well on your way to completing some burr deals and and being able to make offers that make sense and analyze them and and uh, so that's that's the goal and if you guys have any questions of anything that I've mentioned about the burr freedom community definitely reach out to me at sarah at sarahlarby.com all right let's get on with the show susan welcome to the show how are you i'm excellent and yourself very good. I'm excited to have you on. And, uh, you know, we've crossed paths many times at different networking events and different podcasts. And I'm, I'm super excited to have you on my podcast today. And for those who may not know who you are or what you do, can you give us some insights on that? Well, first, thank you for having me on the show. I am, you know what, first and foremost, I'm a mom. I have three kids. I do this thing called real estate investing sort of on the side. I have built up a quite a significant portfolio. I've been doing it since 2006. Uh, I've done everything from student properties to building legalized suites in Calgary to building legalized suites here in Barrie. Uh, I've done rent to own. I've done wholesaling, flips. 
kind of done the whole gamut, but my bread and butter right now is uh, building legalized suites using the Burr strategy. So the, the whole strategy that you're all over, which is awesome. I actually, I was doing it and I didn't know it had a name. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, and that's, and that, I don't think the Burr strategy was, was like actually put as a name until just maybe five years ago. I think it yeah, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like bigger pockets or something. Yeah. So, and now I, I just do that. I do wholesaling on the side a little bit and some coaching as well. T teaching coach. My, my favorite is the newbies working with the people that are stuck. I work a lot on mindset because I think the how to's are pretty simple. It's getting over yourself that I think a lot of people struggle with, but they think it's the how to's, but it's really, it's getting over yourself in my opinion. They do say mindset is 95% of your success. So 5% mm -hmm. is everything mm -hmm. else, but I believe that absolutely. So you definitely, it sounds like you've got, you know, your, your experience in, in many different strategies. And that, that's also very cool, right? That you have some experience to be able to teach others. How did you originally though get into your first deal like walk us through how that even happened and and why i i love my starting story because it gives uh, no it gives it throws people's excuses out the door so long story short i have a younger brother that's about six years younger than me and when he was going into second year university he decided he was going to live for free he was going to buy a house and he w was going to fill it and have uh, and live for free, essentially, right? And I'm thinking to myself as he's telling me this strategy, what he wanted to do. I'm like, okay, kid, you've got no money. In fact, you're about twenty thousand dollars in debt. You have no job. You have no credit. How are you going to make this thing work? Well, it wasn't for him. It wasn't a if. It, uh, it wasn't a question of if he could make it happen. It was just a question of when and who. And so he went out and found a thing called an investor. We didn't call him an investor. It was just the guy that helped him buy the property. And they owned the property 50-50. And my brother took care of the property, filled it, managed it, cut the grass, all that sort of stuff. And the investor bought the property and put all the cash in for it. So, and they were both on title. And I just remember thinking back, wow, this kid decided to do something and made it happen. So he held that property for five years. And he... I mean, there were some bumps along the way, but nothing significant. And after five years, they decided to sell it. And he came out of university with $50,000. So he made 50000 They each made $50,000 on that property. He quickly turned around and uh, bought a property closer to where he was living and calls me up. I, wasn't, I was living in Milton at the time. He said, hey, I just bought another property. And I was like, okay, this kid knows what he's doing. He's going to be a multimillionaire. I did no research. I went the following weekend and I bought a property myself. Three months or six months later, we bought a second property or a third property together. Um, and so that's really the start. Uh, but I didn't get into it full time until after the crash of 2008, 2009, where I lost a lot of money in the stock market. And then started looking at this thing called real, this real estate, these properties that we had. And it was crazy that, you know, the rest of the world seemed to be coming down, but these things were every month we were getting cash flow. Every month uh, we were paying down the mortgage. Yeah, they weren't appreciating in value, but they weren't going down either. So that's when I decided, okay, there's something to this and we have a pension problem. So 
because uh, neither my husband or I had a pension at the time. So we needed to fix this thing. And I, real estate was the, the tool I was going to use to build it. So it was really out to build our pension. Very cool. So, so from a little bit of like sibling competition, right? He's like someone, you know, your brother's <laughs> six years younger, all of a sudden he's on his second property and, you know, like having siblings myself, you're always like, you know, sometimes comparing and what you're you yes. know, got and that kind of stuff. Yes. And it sounds like it worked out well. So is it fair to assume that originally when you first purchased the properties, they were buying holds back then? Yeah, we, we bought student properties because that's all I knew at the time. And that's where my comfort level was because I had actually rented as a student. I since have gotten out of the student world, but um, yeah, it worked back then. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team. Dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals And Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Nice. So let's fast forward, I guess, to when you really got started after the, you know, after the crash and whatnot. Did you at that point pivot your strategy? Like, how did you get into all the different strategies that you just mentioned earlier in the beginning with rent um, own and, and buy and hold yeah. and, and everything like that? When I decided that I was going to put time and energy into building a real estate portfolio, that this, uh, I decided, you know, I, I should probably not be naive like I was with these properties because literally we did no research whatsoever. I had no idea what the rooms would rent for didn't know what the bylaws were like we did nothing so um but as you own them for a bit you start to learn stuff and you're like oh shouldn't have done that Ooh, shouldn't have done that right you're like oh i got lucky here you know what i mean like <laughs> it's like you like I, we you got cross your really fingers lucky. and you hope that exactly we got really lucky but so i was like okay if i'm gonna do this full time i i can't justify to my husband that i'm just gonna do this willy-nilly thing i better educate myself so i went out and I, the, back then there wasn't the education that was available today. And I spent like a crazy amount of money to learn how to do all of that stuff wholesale. 
rent to own, um, creative financing, all these different strategies. Um, I spent probably a year learning all that stuff and bought nothing. <laughs> I was like, okay, why was it so easy to buy the first time around? And now I'm struggling to buy. And I think it was almost an information overload. Um, whereas I had, I, I didn't know what to be afraid of before. And then when I did all this education, I was like, oh, okay. But then I joined Rain and Rain kind of talked about where to buy. And that just like, okay, clicked it in because I was learning from all the strategies from an American company and they weren't really giving you economics. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to Rain, it, it was where to buy. And then, then I understood why I was successful before and gave me the confidence to finally jump back in. But I will say that fourth property was probably the most nerve wracking property that I've, I've had because now it wasn't just off the cuff. It was like, this is what I'm going to do and, and it better be successful. And so I was really nervous that by the, on the fourth property. And you know what can actually go wrong, right? Cause yes. you've, you've learned through it and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. can't really wing it anymore. Cause at some point I may get <laughs> caught. And, yes. and so, okay. So now you're doing a lot of burrs and you're converting singles to duplexes Yeah. and, uh, and, and walk us through, you know, like maybe some of the deals that you you're doing, like what, overview my favorite my, well okay like a, an average deal that yeah, I do. an average deal like a favorite is always usually a slam dunk but like just an average yeah, deal that, like not necessarily yeah no? that's true they are slam dunks pretty much I buy almost everything off market right now so I, I start like I start by sending out letters and that's probably my favorite part of doing a deal like it's fun to go in and imagine and best define how to best use this space, but going in and meeting with a seller that is calling you for a reason. There's a reason why they've called you as opposed to trying to put your, your, their house on MLS. And it's my job, in my opinion, to try and figure out what it is, what is their weak point that they are wanting, needing me? What, how can I be their hero? And that's really how I look at it when you go to buy a property off market. Like you're, you're there to, to solve a problem. You want to get a problem, a property for a good deal, but you're there to solve their problem. And so I always start with that. Uh, and that's probably my favorite part is negotiating a deal and getting them to a point where they're like, yes, this is the best solution. It's better than me going on MLS. And it's often, the price is rarely their number one factor. It's, it's uh, right now COVID, uh, people don't want a bunch of people trekking through their house. They might be in financial situations, that sort of thing. So that's kind of where I start. Uh, and then once I've got the property, it's okay, what am I going to do with it? If it makes sense to build it into a legalized suite, I'll often do that, break it in. And I can do that with a bungalow. I can do that with a two-story. I can do that with a semi-detached. But if I've got a lot on my plate, then I'll, I'll do the whole wholesaling thing because I'm a girl that doesn't like to work too hard. <laughs> I, you know, I work to live, not, not the other way around. If no, I've done that right. To work. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So yeah, that's, I don't know if I've answered your question properly. No, no, I think it's really interesting. So you'll either wholesale or you'll, you'll convert the property if you can. And you're, you're doing a lot of the marketing yourself. Now, 
are you with the yellow letters, are you doing those as like you're dropping them off door to door, you're hiring somebody? Are you using the UPS routes to do that for you? I actually use the mail, mailboxes, like regular old mailboxes. I like going into older communities where they still get it directly to their house because they actually think I've been to their house. Nice. But really all I'm doing is sending it through the mail. I send it, it goes to every single house on that block. Um, or the mail carrier's route. Uh, I'm very specific in my letters of what I'm looking for. Uh, and I t- I'm open and honest to who I am, that I bought in their area, that I love their area. And here's what I intend to do with your property. And that, you know, no realtor fees. You'll only have one visit from me and I can close quickly or flexibly. So I've had some situations where they were they wanted to sell their house but they hadn't bought a new house yet so i give them a flexible closing date so they don't have to rent in between so that has been valuable to people as well that's awesome so so essentially you'll do the marketing and are you able to share and i don't know if you have this data but i was always curious just to see how it works in in canada just kind of in comparison but you know how many on a given month or maybe just a quarter are you able to share like how many yellow letters you send how many calls callbacks you get how many, you know, okay. deals, like, are you yeah, going to break that I, down or I don't I, know? Uh, my assistant can probably, I, I would say for every, I send out no more than a thousand, everything. And I hit the same streets. I probably hit the same, like I've got four different sections, five different sections, and I will hit them one or two times a year. Uh, and I would probably get one to two purchases out of those. So in terms of phone calls, I don't get a ton. I probably get five to 10 out of the thousand. And of that, I'll probably close on one to two. But the one thing I will say is that people will hold on to them. And so I'll send it out at one point and I'm like, oh, I didn't get much there. And then a year and a half later, oh, I got this. And this is from like, they'll, they'll tell me the date that they got. I was like, oh, that did produce. So um, nice. yeah, it, I would say it's getting more challenging. Because uh, there's a lot more competition out there, but definitely um, that has been my favorite route is the old school letter going out and talking to them and just having, and you know, when I go out with the intention of leaving them better off than before they met me. And I think that that goes a long way with building trust because it's not necessarily for new uh, sellers about getting the best price. Sometimes it's, it's about who they trust the most. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls. 
and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done in complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjackcontractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at blackjackcontractinginc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend blackjack contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Yeah, exactly. Who can solve their problem that they feel like they can trust that is actually going to solve their problem, not just say they will, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the odds are like, those are pretty good odds. I mean, if you I get, know. you know, five to 10 calls and you close a couple, it's in it. And just to go back, that's probably because you're very specific in your yellow letters that what you're looking yeah. for and what you're looking to do. And I think that probably helps eliminate some of the tire pushers that are just trying to see what biggest and most expensive price they can get for their property. Right. Yeah. 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 So so that's, I mean, that's good. So most of your deals that are, are off market and they're, they're cultivated by, by, by you essentially. And, yes. and how do you finance this? Is, are you working with JVs, like joint venture partners? Are you doing these on your own? Like walk us through that. I would say probably about 75% are JV partners um, of the little stuff. And I considered single family houses to triplexes, my little stuff. The occasionally I will buy a house completely by myself. I'll put, I'll buy it for cash. Like if I, and it, usually it's, I've, I like a deal comes through that is amazing. And I, I don't want to put the time into finding a JV right away. So I'll buy it for cash. I'll build it into a legalized suite and then I'll flip it over to the, to the JV partners. So they get to buy a property that's already legal, already rented. And it's easier for them to get the mortgage at that point in time because it's the, the, it's the two units. So occasionally I'll do that, but I will bring a joint venture partner in on, on the latter half of it. But about 75% is with JV partners. And then I put my own money sometimes into buildings, but I'm not the, I'm not the deal finder for that. I use other people for that. Awesome. I mean, that is quite interesting as well, how you bring in a joint venture at the end. And it's probably in a way like it's, it's smart. If you're an investor that's willing to do it, A, it's probably better for, for you, right? But it's yes. also probably yeah. better for the investor to be able to qualify. They're still getting some meat on the table, but yep. ultimately you're getting the, the lift for doing that mm -hmm. work. Then you bring them in, you manage, you find the tenants, et cetera. For them, it's easy. It's very passive at that point in time and they don't have yeah. to worry about the whole reno process. So I think it's a good win-win. And I think it's also good because then you're, you're getting the, the lift from the, lift. The, the active appreciation that you just created. Yeah. It took me a while to figure that strategy out. <laughs> you're like, wait a second. 
I have the money to do this. Why don't I do it this way? I, I, you can't always do it that way, but sometimes it does make sense to do that, that route too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's a great, you know, a great way to do it. Now, in terms of your joint venture partners, like who's your, you know, ideal type of uh, JV partner? I, I like two. <laughs> I like the ones that like to learn because I, 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 I don't know, in being in real estate, you love to talk about real estate. So anytime you can share and teach and grow, I love the newbie investors. So I like to work with them because I, I love watching the wheels turn and the excitement. And, you know, once you've done it four, five, six times, by the time the tenants come in, it's kind of ho-hum. But for the newbies, they still get the excitement and I feed off of the excitement. The other ones I really like are the ones that have gotten to the point where they, they don't, they're, they've got the money, they've got the credit and they are, are t- time poor and they've gotten to the point where they just trust me and they're like, okay, yep, let's do the next one. Let's do the next one. Let's do the next one. Those are, those are my two favorite and I get something different out of it. Like one's really easy and the one just sort of feeds my soul. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Very good. So I want to change the, uh, the gears a little bit and just to see what your, what your plan is with, you know, the pandemic and everything that's been happening. Are you just keep, you know, is it as you go, you know, as deals come, you're keeping going or are you being more cautious and what's your take on, on, you know, the potential future? I actually think we're probably going to see more in the States maybe than here, but we're going to see some good opportunities come up, come aboard some people that really need um, some solution finding. I think more than ever right now is as you're buying, you need to be extremely conservative. I don't think I'd, because the market has driven up so high right now, I don't use the numbers from today. I kind of look back to, you know, March time. Those are the numbers I'm using from a conservative perspective, because that's kind of where I feel that the market was most stable. Because I I don't know that, in my opinion, I don't feel like the market's that stable right now. So I like to go back to those days. And I just doing your homework, making sure that you understand what the prices have changed to, what making sure you understand what the cost of renovations has changed to, because that's changed as well. Understanding what rents are and are you being impacted? Like there are some areas that are being impacted with rents coming down because in the high student markets where the students didn't go back to school and now there's all these apartments available, um, that has had an impact on the, the, the rest of the population and the rest of the rental market. So you've just got to really understand your market and be what I call a great shopper and keeping your ears to the ground, knowing what things are worth constantly before you make a move. And for me, as long as I can meet the close to the 2000 and, or sorry, in March, March um, numbers, I'm happy to move forward. And, and I believe you still can get those today, but you've just got to gotta keep your, your ears to the ground and your hand on the pulse of what's going on because it can change quickly. Yeah. And I think in the market, like, like today, where there's still a lot of multiple offers that you're, you're being smart by, by doing your own marketing and not having something on MLS for for everything. Right. So you've got, you know, you and the seller negotiating and you're not competing with 10 other interested buyers. Cause you know, even looking from March, like you mentioned, March, 2020 from March to today, I mean, some markets have gone up like 
20%. I know. I know. And I I guarantee you when, when it goes down 20%, people are going to panic, but like really ultimately (laughs) that's a matter of like maybe six months, maybe, you know, a little bit more or less that, but essentially like at the end of the day, this is not sustainable. This, this craziness in my, in my opinion, you know, (laughs) the one thing I will say is I don't know (laughs) because in the, in March I ran a course and I'm like, okay, we need to just wait and see what happens. My prediction is if, if money's not coming in, people aren't going to have money to buy houses. The value of properties are, is going to go down. And what did it do? The exact opposite. So it's I'm like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but I know how to play conservative. That's the one thing I can say, but I don't, I, I, I'm not going to predict what it's going to do. I just know how to protect myself. So no matter of, what it does. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. So speaking of protecting yourself, because there's cer- certain things that we do, right, for the upside and there's certain things that we do for the downside and to be able to ride the wave. You know, are you doing anything in particular from a, like a financing, refinancing or portfolio standpoint to protect the assets that you have right now? I am taking advantage wherever possible of getting better rates on, on my mortgages um, because the, they are fantastic right now. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's, if you've gone, if you've got any variable mortgages, there's been some pretty nice cash flow uptick on that, which has been fantastic. So I've been appreciating that. Have I been doing anything else to protect uh, other than making sure that we are in constant contact with tenants, uh, regularly keeping them in the loop, regularly follow, like we, you can't, because of the uncertainty, you can't let little things ride in terms of if they fail to pay. You've got to be on that now more than ever because everything's so far back um, in terms of uh, the landlord-tenant board. So to me, you've really got to work your tenants and make sure that you're communicating regularly and on top of them. And um, for those that are a problem and those that aren't a problem, you want to keep them happy as much as possible. Um, other things that I'm doing, uh, that's in the maintenance of stuff in terms of buying again, just going back to you, I I won't use today's numbers. I'm sticking to what we saw in March and that is my criteria in, in order to make a decision. And watching the the reno cost too, because I know wood in in itself, I think it was seven dollars in March, and now it's like forty five, forty yeah, somewhere it's there. Insane! It like tripled and quadrupled in price in a matter of a few months, for sure. So going back to tenants, you know, luckily mine have all been good and paid, and I think I had one one of the months that needed an extra three days, fine. But how are yours overall? Like, I mean, I'm so so in two in two categories. Did any of them decide to strike? And then did any of them no, no, not be like, no. did any of them decide to go on payment plans with you to, to get back nope. up and running? So they were nope. all, they were all good. Um, sorry. I had, I had one that wasn't paying, but he wasn't paying prior to COVID. Um, so we were on him. And I sent lawyers letters and then all of a sudden he left. <laughs> it was like, that's what? Good. You've got an opportunity to leave for free or stay for free, but that's okay. That was awesome. I've had one other that has been a problem, but for the most part, people want to pay their rent. They're afraid of, in my opinion, people, I know there's some pockets that there are some 
this rent strike, we didn't really see that here in Barrie at all. But I think for the most part, people want to pay their rent. They want to make sure that their housing is protected. Uh, because if you stop paying, then you're going to be first on the chopping block when the opportunity comes. And I, not, I don't know about your areas, but Barry, the vacancy rate has just dropped, plummeted. So I think people are afraid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and vacancy rates in Barrie are low, but I'll tell you, right, like in Southern Ontario, like within a two and a half hour radius of Toronto, like I feel like it's all insanely, insanely low, right? Mm-hmm. And it also makes me wonder, like some parts of Canada may feel the aftermath of this more than others, but is Southern Ontario going to feel it too? Maybe downtown Toronto where the condos are, or the, you yeah. know, yeah. or moving I, out for more space, but what do you think? Uh, I'm just going to go with this stuff that I know. I think we are going to feel some changes because we know, like there was a hundred thousand people moving into Canada and almost into Toronto every single year. Those people aren't coming in right now. So I think short term, we may see more of a drop because we were like, those people would billow out, billow out, billow out, which was throwing our rents up and, and that sort of thing. I think for a short period of time, we may see some slowdown possibly because of that factor. Uh, but I don't think as soon as that opens up again, I think that's going to change. And that the other thing that I think may throw rents down again is the student population or anywhere that's high Airbnb that can no longer do that. Uh, they're going to open up for regular rent, which is going to have an impact on the, the vacancy rate. I'm fortunately not, not all market. Like Barry is not a Airbnb location, really. It's not known, not well. I mean, we do have Airbnbs, but not like downtown Toronto, not like, Falls or something. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. I think some of those markets, but I also think those are going to be very short lived. Yeah, and as soon as the world opens up again, it's going to go right back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting, right? But like you and I, we don't know. We don't have crystal balls. We just kind of look at the different stats and we look at different things and we say, could this happen? Could this not happen? I I will say ultimately though, like what you do is you have a plan and you're doing it well, right? You have a plan for the good and you have a plan for the bad and you got to you know, maintain what you currently have for the mm-hmm. good and for the bad. And then you've got to look mm-hmm. at and do your purchases that way as well. So, because mm-hmm. nobody really fully knows how long it's going to take and what's going to happen. So, and if it's Truth- going to come back at the yeah. Truthfully, my, my backup plan is never use your last dollar. I never use my last dollar. I make sure that I have, it used to be $5,000 in the bank for every property I own, just as, I want to say a bad word, my holy blank fund, uh, just in case everything goes wrong. But I I have increased that a bit. I want to make sure that I have just that blanket of money that I can sleep at night so I can think properly so that I can come up with a solution if problems do happen. But if I haven't allowed myself that um, soft cushion to land if things go wrong, then you, you go into panic mode, you go into reactive mode. And you don't make logical decisions that can be made to improve your situation. So I I think that's the number one thing I do. I always make sure I have a nice lump sum of money sitting around to my sleep. So I can sleep at night fund. 
Yeah. And you know, and that goes back a little bit to your mindset and how that is important, right? Because if you know that you can sleep at night and you've got a positive mindset and you know, you're not worried about it, then you can keep moving forward. And I want to go back to mindset because you do a lot around that, you know, you're doing a lot of coaching. Can you just mm-hmm. walk us through like an overview of what your coaching might entail and, and how you mindset? Yeah. That? Because when I, I got into real estate, the two different ways. So just jumping in with no information and then jumping in with way too much information. I train with just the basics that you need to know enough so that you're not going to get analysis paralysis. Uh, because at the end of the day, I can't, I could probably, I couldn't tell you everything that's going to, you could possibly go wrong, but I can tell you how I would go about finding solutions. So I give them the basics of the things that they can't get wrong, like things that you can't change once you've purchased the property. And then the tools that you need in order to solve pretty much every, any problem. And to give you a hint, your network becomes your net worth. So they're the solution problems. There isn't a situation out there that someone hasn't dealt with in some form or another. So I teach you how to build that structure around you. And we spend a lot of time on mindset, um, starting with controlling what you allow into your mind. You can't listen to everybody because if you listen to everyone, you won't get up in the morning because what our world is telling us is like, it's all negative. Well, no, no, no. It's what you focus on. And then we, we, so I start with controlling what you allow into your mind. Then I start with focusing on what, um, then we go into focusing on what is important. And then we go into expansion. Where do you want to go? So we, we, we hit those three things and all, I have a lot of little tools, vision boards, uh, um, just keeping uh, your, your vision in front of you, self affirmations and, and habits. When stuff goes wrong, if you don't want it to go off the rails, make sure you've got some really strong habits. And for me, those habits start with you. You've got to be okay so that you can make decisions for your business. So the minute you start putting your business before yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure. You've got to make sure that your mindset, you are ready to go. I call it pre-paving. Mm-hmm. Um, you pre-pave. So that means I, we talk about meditation. We, what is it that's going to keep you grounded so that you can make the best decisions most efficient um, so that you can take a 10 hour day and, and maybe do it in an hour or two because you are thinking properly. So we spend a lot of time on, on what are those things that are going to make you solid uh, so that you can make great decisions throughout the day. And, and it comes down to habits. It's, uh, it, it, I don't want to look at just your financial wealth. If that's only one piece of the pie, you you need health, you need uh, relationships. You, I mean, not that I get into that, but it starts with you. And if, if you, you could be making a ton of money, but if your relationships are falling apart, you're really not further ahead, right? So we, we talk about making sure that you're solid so that you can do the best with the rest of the stuff in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You're right. Because when you are not wealthy or you haven't made your first or your second million yet, or you haven't gotten into the real estate game, you're like, oh, you know what? If I just got like a million dollars or if my net worth was a million dollars, I would have no problems. I'll tell you, there are still problems. They're just different problems. But if you've, you know, and, and you've said it really well, if you've forgotten about your relationships, 
about your health, about your, you know, your, your fitness and your wellness, you're going to come out the other side. And you're going to look back and been like, you know, was it worth, was it worth it? Right. You just changed problems, right? You just switched problems. So that maybe now you got money, but you, this is why there's a lot of what billionaires cost. that are miserable because, you know, <laughs> unfortunately they, they maybe created their wealth and forgot about everything else. Right. I mean, not all of them, some of them are, yeah. are doing great, but many of them that yeah. are not happy. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, money does not make you happy. It helps solve some problems, but it does not make you happy. It, it, and it, it, it can create more problems to you, right? That's true. <laughs> like, um, money problems really never go away. They just get more expensive. <laughs> That's true. Right? I remember like, when I first, like, I don't know, when, like back in the day when I was in school, I'm like, everything feels like it costs like 500 bucks or 200 bucks. And I'm like, now everything feels like it costs like thousands. Like you can fix something and costs thousands. Right, right. <laughs> right? Because your standard of living goes up. So you still need more money. So you're always going to be chasing that. So you got to be centered so you can enjoy what you have Yeah. so that you can make more and enjoy the next level. Right. But if you're not centered, it's kind of pointless to move forward. For sure. And enjoy the journey. You know, looking back, yes. I wish I celebrated a little bit more. I wish I sat down and had more champagne for when I was acquiring the houses. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Because it, it, it is a celebration. It's, it is. And, you know, it, it's an extraordinary person doing extraordinary things. It's not an ordinary person because not a, like less than 95% of the world does this. So, and it should be celebrated because it's unique and it's exciting. And yeah, you took a feat that 95% of the world will never do. That's to be celebrated. Yeah. So now are you able to share like how you get yourself in the mindset? Like, do you have any like morning rituals or certain things <laughs> that you do for yourself only? That I'm you a little share? over the top. Yeah, I'm a little over the top. To be honest, I don't start my day till almost 11 o'clock. Okay. Because that's how important my mindset is and making sure that I'm steady. I, I start with vitamins right now. I'm, I, and you know what? I change it up a lot. I try new things a lot. I'm reading all the time. So uh, I start with vitamins and right now I'm, about, I'm doing juicing. I do probably an hour of reading and meditation and maybe into an hour and a half adding journaling into that. And then I go for a minimum of an hour walk in nature. It has to be outside. I don't care what's going on outside the weather. Uh, there's no bad weather. There's just bad clothing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> because uh, I don't know, there's for me, something about being in nature that it, that's my fitness that that then I'm doing a little bit of stuff to get do with the kids and then shower and ready by 11. So yeah. my day doesn't start till 11. And you know what? I used to feel guilty about it. But, but then I started realizing on the days that I do that, I get stuff done that will take people months to do. Right. But I'll, I can make decisions like that. I can say, yeah, I'm going to get into that or I'm going to buy that or whatever. Or I'm going to call this person and hopefully they're going to solve my problem. But when I don't spend time to do all that stuff, then I second guess myself or I'll, I'll be reactive as opposed to responding to inspiration, right? So I, I swear by it. It works for me, not for everybody, I guess. And it, it's a habit. And when those days are like that, you're going to have bad days. But when you can go back to your habits every single morning, I, I mean, it's my favorite part of the day. I'm, I'm just sitting having a tea, 
relaxing and thinking about, and sometimes ideas for business comes up. Uh, it's just my me time. I, I, it's probably the most important thing I do each day. Very cool. I, I like that you have a ritual and, and, you know, if I asked you for this podcast at 9am, it probably would have been like too early, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're recording this at 3.30. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I can skip it a day or two, but I find that by the third day, I'm a different person. And I notice it most when I'm on vacation because like things get changed and I'm like, why am I grumpy today by day three? And it's like, well, you didn't do your you. Right. So it really shows up. That is one of the things I'm really working on now that I have more free time from like having left my job is like really like scheduling in at least an hour of like working out in the morning and, you know, making sure I'm reading, making sure I'm like doing stuff to be able to think better when I have to go back into the business. I mean, it's still busy because I'm still doing podcasts. There's still the right club stuff, you know, but, but it is really important. I do find like, you're right. Like you're, you're clear in your thinking when you take some time prior and then you can make better decisions for sure. Yeah. Um, Susan, you know, you're awesome. I mean, we can keep talking about, you know, this stuff for, for hours and hours, but we're going to go to the next part of the podcast, which is okay. our lightning round. Are you ready Uh-oh. to play? Yeah, sure. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Complete Properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton, and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at margaret at completepminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right. So I'm going to ask you five questions and you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. So question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's the one that got me into this. It, it like second time around, it, it's the one that pushed me over the edge. It's, it was a, the aha moment. That's great. Number two, I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but if you do, do you have one that you listen to the most or a favorite podcast? It's not going to be real estate related. That's okay. <laughs> I am addicted to Abraham Hicks. Like I, they're, you know, everything they talk about, solution for everything, it just rings so true for every situation that they bring up. So I love Abraham Hicks stuff. Okay. Amazing. Number three, what do you do for fun when you're not doing real estate? Hanging out with girlfriends, probably number one. Hanging out with the kids, skiing. I love to travel. I love to travel and leisurely travel. So we went to BC because that's as far as we could go in August. And just, you know, one excursion a day and like maybe only an hour or two and just relax and enjoy the culture. So, and food. Food is always good too. Absolutely. All right, great. And question number four, if you lost all your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I just start raising capital and doing what I do. I'd start going out, raising capital and finding deals. So the, I would probably be doing exactly the same thing I'm doing right now. So going out and finding opportunities and raising capital to buy, to buy the properties. All right. Awesome. And last question of the lightning round. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that? Mm, it's tough because it's not almost enough to. <laughs> okay, so they want to get started. They want to buy a property. 
you're going to need a partner because I don't think that's enough money, but I would find a partner. I would get some education and I would go out and find a deal. Okay. Awesome. Anything so, else you want to add to that? I, I would start with an easy deal. I, you know what? I would start with rent to own because it's going to give them a, give them good cash flow to start with and a good baby step into owning real estate. All right. Great. Susan, where can my listeners reach out to find out more about you or to speak to you? Yeah, you can find me. My website is millionairemom.ca. You can find me, you can email me at susan at millionairemom.ca. You can find me on Instagram at millionaire.mom.enterprises or Facebook at Millionaire Mom. Very cool. And I always ask this of all of my guests. If you had one final tip or word of advice, what would that be? I give this same tip because I think it is the easiest way to make transition. And that's really what, as you're becoming a real estate investor, you are transitioning who you are into your next best self, right? And the the easiest way to do that is to pay attention to who you hang out with and start hanging out with the focus on the six people you hang out with the most and make sure that if you want to be successful in real estate, one of those people is really successful in real estate. If you want to improve your relationships, make sure one of those people is improving your, their relationship because you become the average of those six people that you hang out with and you want to be taking in what they're doing. And it, it's going to, the more you hang out with those people, the more normal it's going to feel, the more you're like, yeah, why don't I do that? Of course I'm going to do that because it's normal. It's not scary. It's done every day because that's what you're talking about on a regular basis. So to me, easiest way change the six people or look at the six people that you hang out with the most and start hanging out with people that are doing what you want to do. All right. Great tips. Great insights. Thank you, Susan, for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but As I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.